Well, here we are. Praise the Lord. I, I mean, we're here in this building. In this building, the first time I walked into it, there was a giant raccoon staring at me from that corner right there where y'all are sitting with a giant hole in the floor over there. We had pictures to show you, but who needs AV, right? So uh, there, there, anybody came to Pentecost? Y'all remember Pentecost? The raise the roof celebration? There was a giant hole in the roof there that extended from there basically all the way over to there. So uh, we are now here in this finished restoration project. It's a work of God, and we give him the praise and the glory. But even tonight, I'm reminded, I, I just wanted to tell a few stories and just celebrate what God has done in this journey that brought us here. And, uh, but I didn't even thought about this until just some of the fun chaos getting ready for tonight. But uh, some of you were there, we were at the mill one Sunday, and, uh, and I was in the middle of my sermon. And I'm pretty sure I just made a, a pretty brilliant point. But all of a sudden, there was a huge explosion outside, and everything went pitch black dark. Y'all remember that, some of y'all that were there? And in the middle, there were no windows. I mean, when I was pitch black, it was pitch black dark. And, uh, and so from the darkness, I mean, I was like, amen, God. But we just opened the Bible, and we continued to dive into his word, and we broke out a guitar without any amplification, and we worshiped. And in that moment, I realized this is like, we're not a church, and if you're looking for a church that's going to put on a fancy show, you came to the wrong church, amen? We're a church that wants to worship God, and we're going to open the word, and we're going to expect him to blow our minds with the things that he does, not the things that we can do. And so we're here tonight to celebrate him. And so one of the stories I wanted to tell, and those of you that have been around a little while, you know this story, but I think it's important that we remember where we come from. Origin stories are important. Why on Sundays we're going through Genesis together to remember our true beginning story, where we come from, the life God created us to live. And the story we tell ourselves about where we come from and who we are, it matters. The story you tell yourself about who you are and where you came from, it matters. It shapes the way that you live. And origin stories can be beautiful, wonderful things we pass down to our children and our grandchildren as long as we're telling the right story. And really what matters is that we keep the right, uh, the, the center of the story on the right character in the story. And the center of our story is never us. The center of our story is God. But the story of this place, I mean, I know it has many, many beginnings, but I just go back to uh, 2010, 2009. A handful of families from Walton County were making that 35-minute annoying drive from Monroe down 78 through Loganville to Grace Snellville. And they loved Grace. They loved the heartbeat of Grace. Grace planted in 1983 by a young couple in a daycare center in Tucker, Georgia, with a simple mission, making disciples beginning with my neighbor. And that grew to an emphasis on reaching the next generation. 9-11 changed our church and, and emphasized what it means to go after the nations. And specifically, God gave us a heart to reach the Muslim world with the love and grace of Jesus. All the things that shaped us, making disciples, teaching the word, worshiping God, reaching the neighborhoods, the nations, and the next generation. And these families loved that DNA, but they didn't love that drive. And they said, we 
a church like this in our backyard, reaching our friends and our neighbors. And uh, one of those couples, Paul and Jessica, had recently purchased an abandoned, dilapidated, vacant, messed up, vandalized, ugly, broken down old mill sitting on the other side of town. I'm sure that lots of people looked at them and thought, what in the world are y'all doing? And you probably looked at yourself sometimes and thought, this might be a really bad idea. But believe with a heart for revitalization and restoration, began to work on that place, went to Buddy and Jody and said, hey, listen, we would love a church like Grace, we love in our backyard, and if you could use this old mill and the space here that we're restoring for the sake of this community to reach kids and to reach our neighbors, it's yours to use. And so in Easter 2010, Grace Monroe was launched in that old abandoned mill that had become a place of belonging, that broken place that had become beautiful, a place that was dead, that was brought back to life. And we, with that, this DNA got planted in our hearts that, that restored people, restored places, and that is the gospel message. That where the seed of the gospel gets planted, it changes things. That when the seed of the gospel gets planted in our hearts, it changes things. We are not the same person when we encounter Jesus. It's the point of the whole thing. And when the seed of the gospel gets planted in a community, it changes. And so that little church to tell the true story, the ugly story of it, it, it struggled for a couple years. Those faithful families that, that continued to sow into the community and, and back at Grace Neville started asking questions about, is this going to work? Can a little town like Monroe sustain a church like Grace? And into that crazy time, uh, God called Sadie and I in the backyard of a friend walking my daughter to school. They had just moved out to Monroe, and I was walking through their backyard, just bought a property out in Monroe. And as clear as day, heard God say, you know, y'all should really consider helping in Monroe. And my faithful, obedient heart response was, God, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> that might be the dumbest thing I've ever thought. I'm going to go inside, Sadie was, going to, was in, the, in the kitchen, and I'm going to tell her this hilarious idea, and she's going to laugh at me. And sure enough, I walk inside, and I tell Sadie, hey, babe, I just had the weirdest thought. What if we went out and, and helped in Monroe? And she said, you know, that's funny you say that, because I had the weirdest dream last night. I won't get into the dream, but it was a dream that, honestly, the conversation that she was overhearing in the dream was a conversation she had no business hearing, but was a real conversation. And God enlightened, and, and we came out here and began to pray and wonder. We met these amazing families, and we fell in love with this place, and we, we thought God is actually doing something here. In fact, one of the first times praying, I remember the picture that was in my head was, you know how in the spring, when you start to see a bulb coming up out of the soil, just beginning to break the, the, the dirt? And that felt like Monroe in 2012. Like there was something really beautiful under all that dirt that was ready to break out. And if we just sat around long enough, we'd get to watch it happen. We were still praying. We were actually thinking about moving overseas and wrestling through a lot of things. Some opportunities came our way. And I remember uh, I was so confused about what we were supposed to do. Should we move to this small town or should we move our family across the ocean? And God, what are you asking us to do? And, and so I remember I was on the stage at the mill and I just, I just got on my knees and I just asked God, God, you're going to have to make it really, really clear what you're, what you're doing. And uh, 
it was a little while later that I was walking around town and <laughs> there was this ugly abandoned elementary school. And, but in front of it was this beautiful, giant oak tree. It was on Friday, July 18th. I know that because I actually took a picture of that oak tree on that day, and I found it the other day on my phone. I was going to show you a picture, but it's not working. <clears throat> not bitter. And I uh, was under that tree, and, and I picked up a, an acorn, and as clear as day, felt like God said, don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. And it was interesting, I actually kept that acorn in the console of my truck for two years. And every time we were still living in Snellville, and every time we drive back and forth and wondering, God, what are you doing? Is this working? Are we supposed to be out here? I would just think about that acorn. Don't despise small beginnings. God is doing things that you can't even understand. And his timing is beyond what you can imagine. Well, honestly, I'd forgotten about that, that acorn. A few years go by, grace is, is, is growing. God's bringing amazing families alongside of what's going on. All kinds of people are becoming part of this thing, catching this vision of revitalization and restoration and getting excited about seeing a city transformed and lives changed and kids reached. And, and so this thing was happening. Pillars were looking at, like, I don't know, are we at the mill forever? Is this going to be our place? What do we do when we outgrow this space? The mill had already been built out. There was nowhere else for us to go. And so, uh, but it, I didn't want to move. I mean, to be really honest, like I was the reluctant one. I, I liked the mill. I loved the symbolism of the broken becoming beautiful. I, I, I loved how it was rooted in the neighborhood and a part of the town and the history of it, the, the gospel picture of it. And I was like, where in the else are we going to go? I'll tell you what we're not doing. We're not going to go buy a bunch of land outside of town in the middle of nowhere and put up some ugly building. And Kyle, as he said, one elder meeting, we were at Katie's Diner. Y'all remember? I think that, I mean, it's not still there, is it? Katie's Diner. We were downstairs at Katie's and, uh, and walked over. Kyle was like, let me show you. How about this idea? And he walks us over to the front of this ugly, old, abandoned elementary school. And as he walks up, my first thought is, this is a terrible idea. I, I'm, I'm brilliant, aren't I? Like, God has to literally, like, hit me over the head with things. Like, okay. And so, uh, and, I mean, I was walking up. And I was like, gosh, this is such an ugly school. And, and then we're going there. And all kinds of different ideas have been floated about this property. None of them work. No one wanted it. And, uh, and, and so we're starting to walk up. And then I, and we, get, we stand under that tree. And all of a sudden, I remember, I had forgotten five years before. And I said to Kyle, I was like, oh, this is the acorn tree. And Kyle was like, Yeah. It's an oak tree. And I was like, no, 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 I mean the acorn tree. And it was the same place that this original vision for this city was birthed. And, and so with that, God was birthing a new vision for the next season of grace. And, and as he said, he brought Buddy over here, Buddy who planted Grace Fellowship back in 1983. And Buddy, his health was declining. And I remember walking him around this property. I mean, as I said, it was dilapidated, vandalized. There were people living here that probably shouldn't have been living here and things happening here that we know should not have been happening here. And actually, that was a favorite spot for one of our local undercover cops to hang out for various uh, things. And uh, we're walking around and we walk up there and, I, and I, as I actually started every conversation that year, I went, 
buddy, this may be a terrible idea, but what do you think? And I remember he was silent for a long time as we walked down Midland, and finally he stopped and he looked at me and he's like, you have to get this property. And actually what's amazing is he said, you have to get it by Pentecost. That was in December, but he passed away in February. That Friday of Pentecost, we had a signed contract for this property. And I was driving down to Grace Marietta. We were celebrating Pentecost that year as a family of churches. And I was talking to Sadie and tell, retelling the acorn story and that phrase, don't despise small beginnings. And Sadie said, yeah, that's a great verse, isn't it? And I said, verse? <laughs> I mean, yes, it is. <laughs> Google, don't despise small beginnings. For five years, I had just thought it was an encouraging word from God. I didn't realize it was actually in the Bible. Zechariah chapter 4. And do you know what the context of that verse is? The rebuilding of God's temple. The place of worship for God's people. And God says to them, and this is the part that got me, right before the small beginnings. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's our story. Great ideas. It is not hard work and effort and ingenuity. It is nothing that we can brag about. We are standing here, worshiping here, gathered here because of what God has done. It's his story. And I love this. What are you, O oh mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. So that acorn grew. In 2018, we gathered with the church and after meeting and praying and and asking lots of hard questions, and we launched our Acorns to Oaks campaign, and many of you were a part of that. And what I want you to know is that, is that in that Acorns to Oaks campaign, as families went and, and, play, and prayed about God, what God might be asking them to give to this vision, this project, that Sunday that in November, we all gathered there at the mill, and we went to the cross, and each family took their commitment card, and they tied that commitment card to a piece of the original hardwood floor from where you're standing right now, and they laid that commitment at the foot of the cross, a picture of God's promises from the past and a hope for the future. And as you walked in here to worship this morning and you walked through the threshold of those doors, the floors that are laid there are actually made from the wood that our church wrote their prayers and their scripture on so every time people walk in here for the next hundred years, they're walking in on the prayers of the people that went before them, that believe God for big things. 
And we believe that, yes, this is the culmination of a long journey, but this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of what God is wanting to do. That we can't even begin to, to grasp and fathom the plans that he has for us from this point forward. And it's never these buildings. These buildings are simply a picture, a symbol of what God wants to do in human hearts, in families, in lives. The other vision, uh, other uh, dream that God gave us, one is that one day that in the same way Grace Monroe was planted out of Grace Snellville, there would be churches that get planted out of Grace Monroe. We knew that we, we want to outgrow this space. And we've asked that question, what happens when we outgrow this space? Well, you know what happens? We send people to go plant more churches because that's what oak trees do. That's what acorns are about, about planting the next generation of oak trees, amen? The other thing that got laid on our heart is that we wanted to be able to celebrate those restoration stories happening. You know those restoration stories? I mean, yes, there's those clear, giant God moments when God says things that rock your world and change your direction, but God even right now is restoring things in your heart, in your family, in your life, restoring relationship back to him, restoring your true identity from the false things you believe about yourself, restoring hopes and dreams, giftings and callings that God could use you to change somebody else's life. God is restoring things Tomorrow morning at the breakfast table, God is restoring things in your office places, in your third grade classrooms. The restoration of God, it is his heart, and it is an endless flood of things that are happening. The only question is, do you have eyes to see and ears to hear the restoration stories that are happening in you and through you? And let's celebrate those things. And so we said we want to, over the next five years, celebrate 10,000 restoration stories. And so you'll notice on the wall over there is a tree, an oak tree. That was actually when we started worshiping here on Christmas Eve. That was the, the backdrop of the stage, the leaves. And on that oak tree are a bunch of circles symbolizing leaves. And in your chairs, as you sat down, you may have noticed these circles. One of these circles rep represents one of those restoration stories because you all have one to tell. You have all, we all have one to celebrate. And that tree, when it's on the gray side, is a story waiting to be told. And so we're inviting you even tonight. We've actually been collecting stories without telling anyone since Christmas Eve. And on a bunch of them, we already went on and wrote the restoration stories that we've heard. God restoring marriages, God restoring families, God restoring relationship with him. Salvation, healing, wholeness, freedom. And I invite you even tonight on the gray side to tell your restoration story and then flip it over so that the green side is showing. And then over the next several years, we'll get to watch as that oak tree turns from gray to green as more and more stories get told of what God is doing in your life and what God wants to do through your life. Do you believe it? you believe it? Don't despise small beginnings. In fact, there are some of you right now that the thing you're hoping for restoration in seems so huge and so impossible that you'll never get there. But you know what oak trees start as? Acorns. One little tiny step of faith at a time. And so we're going to worship and continue to worship together. That's what tonight is about. 
But I want to close with this word. When we first gathered, I really wanted to show this picture. We have a picture of, um, of little kids. I mean, I guess that was 2010, so how many years ago was that? Do the math, 2009, 12 years ago. So if they were eight, they'd be 20 now. That's crazy. We have a picture of, uh, of three little kids that are knelt, kneeling on the hardwood floors of that old mill before anything had been done to it, praying for you, <laughs> praying for the future of Monroe, for the future of Grace. And as we gathered there in the mill and began to pray about the possibility of launching a church here, the verse that came up over and over again, if you go back and read our old prayer uh, requests and things from that time, uh, over and over again, the verse that kept showing up, hey, I was praying for you guys, and this is the verse that came to mind, written in old journals, this is the verse as I'm praying that keeps coming to mind, was Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus, when he launched his ministry in his hometown, he opened the scroll to that passage in Isaiah. And he concluded right there by saying, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The broken bound up, the hurting made whole, the captive set free, those walking in darkness brought into God's glorious light. But if you keep reading, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Who? The brokenhearted who've been made whole, the captives who have been set free, the prisoners who are walking in God's light, you and me. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and they will restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And continues, and instead of their shame, my people receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land. And everlasting joy will be theirs. When we talk about acorns to oaks, it wasn't about restoring a building. It was this firm conviction that God could take a whole bunch of broken people like us a whole bunch of captives and prisoners like us, a whole bunch of hurting, mourning, grieving, lost, alone, abandoned people like us and bring his healing, his grace, his love, his forgiveness. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display 
of his splendor. Let's pray. So, Lord, we praise you and thank you for the work you have done that has brought us here, your faithfulness every step of the way. And we recognize that it is you who has led. It is you who has guided. It has been your vision all along, none of ours. Even the things that we've given, we receive from you in the first place. We're just giving them back to you, God. God, thank you for every person here. Thank you for the ones that have been faithful from the beginning. Thank you for the ones that you've brought along the way. Thank you for the stories that are in this room of healed marriages, of reconciled relationships, of salvation, of healing and wholeness. And God, thank you for the stories that we can't even begin to guess at, the things you're yet to do. And so, Lord, may our hearts be fixed on you. May our eyes be fixed on you. May we draw close into your presence. It's all about you, Jesus. Hold us close and move us forward. In your precious and powerful name we pray.